The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. And it's a bank holiday Sunday in June. Sometimes organised bank holidays kind of freak me out a bit. Do you know that? Do you know yeah. that organised fun thing? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm meant to be having a great time. Really, I just want to watch Real Housewives. <laughs> <laughs> or, Don't want to be out. Or be having coffee at home listening yes, to the grill. Exactly. It's my favourite way to spend a Sunday oh, morning. Thanks very much. Um, this is Trezanne O'Reilly. Of course you'll recognise her voice from uh, being here in Beat 102 and 03 across many programmes oh, down through so the years. Um, and Trezanne was in with us. Was it last October? It was October, yeah. 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 Um, chatting about with her friend Kira, talking about their best friend Jamie who is battling a brain tumour mm. and they were trying to raise over 250 grand and I don't know why I get teary when I think about oh. this. Your ability to come together as a group of friends just blew me away. Do you know what? I think it blew us away as well. Not that it's sh- like, it didn't shock any of us that we were all able to rally around and support each other, right? Like we all know that that's, I mean, that's what a great group of friends does and we mm-hmm. are so lucky and we know that to have each other and be as good as we are to each other. But I don't think we expected the inpouring of love and support from everybody else who mm-hmm. heard our story and heard Jamie's story. So basically to recap, um, in February, March last year, um, what are we now? 2020. Yeah. So last year, 2021, mm-hmm. kind of 13, 14, 15 months ago, um, our friend Jamie was diagnosed with a stage four glioblastoma multiform. It is a very rare and very, very aggressive brain tumor. Mm-hmm. She was um, diagnosed only weeks after having her baby. Uh, her fourth baby. Her fourth baby. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's got three olders. And then uh, she had Fia last year. And she, you know, was suffering with kind of a, like headaches. And, and look, what new mom isn't, mm-hmm. right? Um, but it got to the stage where she presented to the hospital. They rushed her to Cork. They operated on a tumour that was almost the size of a tennis ball. They managed to remove about 70% of it. How she was even functioning with this growing in her brain, I have no idea. Um, and later, the biopsy confirmed that it was, as I said, a stage four um, glioblastoma multiform. Wow. So um, initially, obviously, the prognosis is is horrific. Um, it is a terminal cancer. Her life expectancy she was given, even considering the fact that she is, you know, a young 31 at the time, 32 now, um, your old woman, fit, healthy, you know, everything to live for. And they were giving her essentially a life expectancy of 12 to 18 months. Wow. And we've heard this story a lot in yeah. the media as yeah. well because of Tom Parker from The Wanted. Absolutely. So. Right. Mm. So the 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 cancer that Jamie has is, is the same cancer okay. that, um, that Tom had. And um, she was, you know, initially given a kind of a standard of care treatment, which included chemotherapy and radiotherapies. And I mean, as so many people know, they're they're harrowing therapies for any cancer um, patient to have to go through. And, you know, your quality of life diminishes massively when you're undergoing these therapies, Mm. and these treatments and, you know, all of the medication that that comes with it then as well. And, you know, the anti-nausea medication and the steroids and, you know, your sleep is disrupted and, you know, your body is changing and it's, you know, they're they're harrowing. Um, and Jamie continued with those treatments. Um, she did, I think it was six weeks of radiotherapy and six months of chemotherapy. And she finished just before before Christmas, but they didn't yield the desired results at all. Um, you know, Jamie, well, she'd be the first to tell you that the the, the standard of care that she got or the, you know, the, the care that she got from everybody who was looking after her, both in University Hospital Waterford and in Whitfield, you know, was amazing. But mm. the science can only go so far. Of course. Um, but throughout these treatments, Jamie herself identified this um, treatment that was available in Germany. It was actually available in either Germany or in Atlanta, 
and she contacted the um, clinic in Germany that was offering this 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 treatment, which is a combination of an immunotherapy and a vaccine treatment. And she spoke to the clinic with the support of her oncologist here in Waterford and they identified her as a suitable patient to receive this treatment. And then we found out that it was going to cost a quarter of a million euro. And, you know, we just, what do you do, right? Nobody yeah. has that kind of cash lying around. If anybody does, by the way, and you're kind of going, you know what, I'd love to step up and help save that woman's life. I mean, we're here to 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 take your generosity. But, um, but you got most, there. But most people don't have that kind of cash mm. lying around. So we started this massive GoFundMe campaign. Thanks yourself, Orla, for, you know, for getting, helping us get the word out. And, you know, huge amounts of um social media influencers we I mean we were aggressive online right we really hit everybody but in the space of it eight days we raised almost a quarter of a million euro it was incredible and people literally gave what they could some people gave you know a fiver the price of a cup of coffee you know and that was a massive amount of money for some people while others gave a hundred we had a couple of people you know donating into the thousands and it's incredible and did that mean that Jamie could start straight away could go to Germany straight away so like what we kind of nearly what we what our initial goal was is if we could get her enough money to get her to Germany and start the treatment and then Mm. we could kind of play it by ear. But this allowed her to kind of commit to the first round of a a vaccine um, treatment. Um, So she she travels to Germany every month. She actually, I think... Since when? So since October, since November. Sorry, started November. So it started the minute Once we knew, once we knew enough money was in for her to put a down payment on that treatment and get her to Germany, she was gone, Right. So and that's because of all of the support from everybody, from all of, you know, the beat listeners who were able to give what they could. Um, And this all just came in via GoFundMe, you know, and Mm. and it was it was amazing. Mm. So she went to Germany. She's been traveling every month since. And um, you've gone over to her. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So we I mean, she can't travel alone. Um, She has an amazing husband and four gorgeous children. Her, You know, it's not really feasible that her husband goes with her and leaves the four children here. So for them to be able to maintain somewhat of a normal family life, um, and, you know, with, you know, Danny staying behind with the kids, one or other of us, the girls or, you know, one of her family members um, travels over with her. And, you know, we just and it's, it's a it's a really lovely week. It's a, like a privilege to get so much time with her. Because ordinarily, like myself and Jamie wouldn't be like, oh, we're just going to head to Germany for a week yeah. and <laughs> catch up and leave everyone else behind. You know what I mean? So it's really lovely, like one on one time that, you know, that you get to have with and her. And is she having treatment every day of that week? Yeah, then? exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So she travels for either five days or eight days at any one time, depending on what treatments she's receiving. So every month she receives this immunotherapy treatment, um, which she goes into the clinic, receives every day for about an hour or so. And then on top of that, they take bloods and create a vaccine that is designed specifically for Jamie's DNA. So this vaccine wouldn't work for any, you know, for anybody else. It's for her alone. Um, it's extremely, you know, advanced science and medical science, which is why it costs so much because it's not yet part of kind of a standard of care treatment that's offered. And has she had that vaccine So yet? she has had it. Okay. She has had her first round of it. Okay. Um, she had a scan on the 29th of April. And the following week, it was confirmed that this treatment has stabilised her cancer. That's amazing. And was it not stable beforehand no, with every scan? No, it was extremely aggressive. Okay. The chemo and the radiotherapies weren't able to stop the growth of the cancer. This has now stabilised it. Wow. So at this moment in time, her cancer is not growing, which means Jamie is able to live with this cancer as mm-hmm. it is at the moment. Mm-hmm. And the only reason that she's able to do that is because people supported us and were able you know, to, to give a few bob here and there and get us the amount of money that she needed. Now, the only thing is, is obviously this treatment now needs to be ongoing and there are more vaccines that she needs to get mm-hmm. and more vaccine cycles. And, and is there a number on that amount of vaccines? It's 
it's it could I, I mean, I hope, I hope it's like, you know, a hundred, but I also hope she doesn't have to pay for a hundred oh, of them. You okay. know what I mean? So it's so, a, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it, this is, look, the thing is, is nobody, nobody knows the answer, right? Okay. It's, no, like, it's not a one-off vaccine. No, it's not. No, okay. unfortunately it's not. So she, she will be going back for her next vaccine cycle, say come September. But in the meantime, ah, okay. she'll continue to travel for her immunotherapy mm-hmm. um, th- between the vaccine cycles. Um, but yeah, it's, it's obviously, it's hugely expensive. Um, it's a treatment that is not covered by health insurance that she, you know, that the button, excuse me, it's a treatment that's not covered by her health insurance. Um, and yeah, we, we need to continue fundraising, okay. basically. So tell us what you're doing. OK, so thank you. Um, so um, now, to be fair, we are really not organising this fundraiser at all. It's Jamie's uncle, who's uh-huh. amazing. His name is Alan. He like contacted myself and one of the girls like a while ago and was like, I have this idea of doing a night for Jamie, music and whatever. And he just asked us if we'd get on board and help him kind of promote it. Right. So it's on the 17th of June. Okay. What's well, that Friday week in mm-hmm. the Greenway Manor Hotel in Waterford. It's going okay. to be a night of music and crack and entertainment, just like a big hoolie to celebrate, you know, Jamie's success so far. Um, and tickets for that are 20 euro um, and they're available on helpjamiefightbraincancer.com okay. uh, so I'll give you the link and everything to that so hopefully you guys might be able to pop it up on your socials mm-hmm. and on, on the website and stuff um, and we're also doing this massive 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 raffle right so um, we've we're after getting raffle prizes from I mean businesses all over Waterford in the southeast we've got you know somewhere in excess of 5,000 euro worth of prizes everything from shopping vouchers and fuel vouchers and hotel breaks and gorgeous homewares like these are prizes you really want to win mm. you know this isn't necessarily your normal raffle where like you're pulling a name out of a draw and you're winning some crappy prize from you know a raffle table this is like you your name comes out of the draw and you win everything oh oh, okay everything oh nice right? one okay so let me just um, you're have... like the Kardashians yes you know the way that they oh give my away God, a whole yes, of bags and yes exactly yeah, that nice is one. totally what it's like <laughs> so um, I'm just just to, to kind of give credit where credit's due maybe to, to some of them I won't obviously list them all because again mm. they're all up on helpjamiefightbraincancer.com but we have everything from um, so an overnight stay with dinner and breakfast in the Strand Hotel in Dunmore East. We've got 200 euro shop Waterford nice. uh, local gift vouchers from Waterford Chamber. We've got a 100 euro shopping voucher for City Square Waterford. We've got gym memberships for HQ Gym in Tremor. Vouchers for O'Neill's and Mall's uh, Bar in Tremor. Wow. We've got like beauty hampers, a voucher for bathing. Uh, some cool homewares from Nest. Brilliant. We've got and stuff you win from everything. Keepers. You win everything. Okay. Win it all. And the tickets are a fiver for the raffle. Tickets are a fiver. to be at the no, event on no, the night? No, no, okay, you absolutely don't. Right. So this is what we want to do. We know that not everybody's going to be able to come mm. to the event. Right. We know that. But we want to give people the opportunity to support Jamie, part with a fiver for a great cause and get your name in the draw okay. to win all these class prizes. So you can do that at helpjamiefightbraincancer.com. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay, yeah. so a fiver Yeah, for we that. just set up like a really simple little website yeah. for her just Perfect. to keep everything kind and of that is helping through one channel. Jamie's GoFundMe to continue yeah. her treatment in Germany. How is she in herself, Jamie? Because, God, it must be hard to leave four children behind yeah, to head to Germany every month. And She is amazing. Like, she's just such a positive bright practical person like I was only saying to somebody recently like you know every time you call over to her house right like you're not calling over to the house of a sick woman mm. you're just calling over to a chaotic house with four children <laughs> right I'm glad to hear that and you arrive over and the kids are like running around the garden or playing with their kindles or in the sandpit or you know like just causing chaos like the kids are um 
Uh, so the two boys will be turning eight and six this summer. Um, Tara just turned three at Christmas and Fia turned one um, in February. Yeah, but like, you know, look, the, the odds were when Jamie's diagnosis and prognosis came through that, you know, she might not even be here now. Mm. And she's here now with more hope now than probably we had 12 months ago. If you had told me 12 months ago that I'd be sitting here having this conversation with you about Jamie's treatment, you know, working, about her cancer being stabilised, about there being so much hope for the future, like, I just don't think I'd have believed you. Well, that's amazing to hear. Well, like, we think of Jamie all the time here and it's brilliant to hear. And you know what I know you do? Because I, like, you've texted me on many an occasion (laughs) asking about her. No, but I I really appreciate that. And I have also had, like, random messages from people on Instagram being like, hey, like, I've been thinking about your friend Jamie how's ah. she doing people who like only knew about it because they listened to the Sunday Grill oh. you know so honestly I'm so grateful for all of that support thank yeah, you and we have all fingers crossed for you Jamie it's help Jamie fight brain cancer dot com the event is on June 17th and you can buy that raffle ticket if you can't make the event in the Greenway Manor Hotel um, again that website is help Jamie fight brain cancer Trezan thanks William for thank coming in thank you Orla thank you so much the Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Well, this weekend is Pride Weekend in Washford, in particular with events continuing today. Of course, it's Pride Month, but in Washford, events continue today and tomorrow, like cycles and Pride parties. Kuhn Cusack is one of the organisers of Pride of the Dacia, and they join me this morning. You're very welcome. Good morning. How are you? And Kuhn is one of our workmates here in Beat as well. So is well versed in being here in the studio and we have quite interesting conversations in a sense. Do you, do you find that, have you become a representative for your community and, and, and is that a stressful thing for you? Um, I think so. I do want to emphasise that I'm just one, one person yeah. and I, like everyone else, am flawed and have my biases, but I try to you know, represent as well as I can. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's kind of where we're coming at with the whole festival. We're 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 coming together and we're recognising that, like, the difference that we all have. Uh, and I know that we are, like, people talk about the LGBT community as this really holistic thing. Um, but really, we have complete, like, the my experience versus, a, like, a black gay man's experience is completely different. And as much as I can try empathise, I don't, like... I I don't I haven't had that experience. Yeah, and is that a hard one then? Because I've spoken to many people here on the Sunday Grill, and we've always said you are not representing your community. But like many people from diverse communities, end up being asked questions almost as if they are those representatives. Yeah, especially I find like being a trans person, I like I'm a non-binary person. I don't identify with. With either gender, I kind of like to think that like, I sit somewhere in between, uh, yeah, like you know, masculine and feminine, and that's like how my conception of gender. But if you asked a, a a binary trans woman, she might have a completely different experience. Um, sorry, this is very um. I'm just to explain binary. The gender binary yeah. is you know, man, woman. Yeah. So a bi- a binary trans woman would be. A trans woman who identifies as uh, using the she pronouns. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Okay. So, oh, okay. the, yeah, uh, a trans woman. Yes. So you recently changed your name. Yes. And like, how was that? How 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 is that for you as a person, but also for people interacting with you? Possibly people who don't know you as well as your family or your close friends. Are people? Do you find people are 
not scared of it, but almost, you know, they're afraid to offend you in a sense. Um, I guess so. I guess what my what I've like, it was a very difficult um journey for me in that I kind of always like grew up like hating my name and not liking it. And it was a very common name. I'm not saying what my old name was. That's okay. It's a very common name. And uh, I would constantly be like, hear it all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, and now, like, I, I, as regards offending people, like, I understand people slip up. There's people who have known me for 20, like, five years of my life as a different name, under a different name. And I understand that there's going to be some you know, a, a period of time where people are getting used to it. And I, I definitely understand that. But even just for myself, like I had picked that name um, months and months before I had like come out and work with it or like, you know, to uh, to my like extended friend group mm-hmm. or like family. And um, so there was a point where I did feel like a spy or something. Like I was like, they don't know who I really am. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like going under an alias, you know, <laughs> a good alias. I yeah. like the name Coon. Um, and do you find that that works for you? Does that make you happy being Coon? Oh yeah, it's, really. I think it suits me way more, and I do think that it it, it encapsulates. I guess my my old name was very like tied to a, a gender, and mm, I think that was. like my current identity isn't. So I no, can... it's not actually. Yeah, that's very interesting. And again, that challenges what I would think if someone was to change their name to another gender's name. But as you said, you want to be identified as they, your pronoun is mm. they. So yeah. why choose a very masculine name then? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because I kind of like my conception of my own like gender identity is I kind of like to sit like if it was a spectrum, I would like to think I would be kind of neutral to masculine. But like I don't really like being feminine and I've always kind of run away from that okay so but do you not feel masculine then you feel somewhere in between yeah okay. yeah, yeah I know it's, it's a difficult one but in that sense has so has anything helped you in that sense like uh, is there anyone you look up to then that you thought oh that's what I want that's what I need mm, as in like non-binary yeah people. like I think that's something that we didn't even think about you know mm. 15 20 years ago that something in between that you don't need to be one or the other yeah and I would argue that a lot of even cisgender people like people that aren't trans they do identify I don't think very few people fit into the binary categories regardless of and what they are meant to be if they're a Mm. man a woman or a non-binary person like there's 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 women that are very masculine Mm -hmm. um but for me I that just wasn't enough for me. Like I, I knew I needed to, to kind of come out as non-binary and change my name and go through that process. And I think changing my name was one of the best things I've done. I, I've been out as non-binary for um, a few years now, but I, I um, think changing my name really solidified it as like this is my my path, you know. And in a public sense, like telling workmates and everything, that's quite a recent thing. Yes. Yeah. But it was. Uh, yeah, I was uh, I was a spy for a while. Yeah, I was it's been a long time undercover. Coming. Yeah, well, you see, the thing is, I had this fear that I would pick a silly name. Oh, and I uh, <laughs> would regret it like uh, a year later and be okay. like, and I'd see a really cool name, and I'd be like, I should pick yeah, that can't one. Send that email again. <laughs> I'm no longer cool. <laughs> so I I spent months and months and months uh, like kind of 
looking at like baby name websites and stuff. And Coon just fitted you. And uh, doing my research and I wanted to find a name that didn't have a, an expectation attached to it. I know it sounds like a weird thing, but like it didn't have like, like there's not very many Coons in the world. No, there's not. Um, and I have the fear that it's going to become like a really popular boy's name. Okay. Uh, yeah. And I, I, if that happens, you know, I'm the OG coon. Yeah. At least they, you know. <laughs> totally. Well, the actual OG coon is a, 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 actually why I picked, one of the reasons why I picked it was um, there's a saint coon. Okay. And I'm not religious at all, uh-huh. but I, I'm just interested in this kind of stuff. And uh, so the parish that I'm from was St. Quan and Burgon, but originally it was St. Coon and Burgon. And Burgon was this like scholar, this poet, this writer, really famous, really um, achieved a lot. And Coon was like his best mate who just lived to be 100. And like that's like all that they did. And that's like the only documented thing was just like, oh, this. And I felt like they were queer or something. Like I definitely just in my head they are okay. they're probably not okay but uh <laughs> you know so you liked the OG Coon yeah okay good stuff now you're heavily involved with Pride of the Dacia who are organising um, Pride Weekend here in Washford Saturday was or yesterday even was a big day but today and tomorrow you've got some great things and you're really making use of what Washford City has on offer as well aren't you mm. and you're really thinking about younger communities too especially today tell us what's happening today okay so Today we have yoga in the morning with Syog, who's this non-binary yoga instructor and it's a beginner-friendly class for all ages and that's on in the Goma Courtyard. And then we have two youth parties on in Manor Street and uh, they're both alien-themed. Okay, um, so people dress up. Yeah, so if you contact Debbie if you want to get involved. And we have two for two different age categories because um, chill out the youth LGBT club in Manor Street they have they cater to a wide variety of LGBT youth ages from about 10 to 24 so we have in the morning kind of midday we have a a younger uh, a party for the younger crowd and then later on we have a party for the older crowd Um, and it's going to be so fun good stuff and then a cycle tomorrow on the Greenway yes a cycle tomorrow so a group are heading out from Dungarvan and another group are heading out from Bilbury and they're going to meet at Coach House um, and the Workhouse in Kilmac for a little pride rural pride celebration which is it's nice to have a celebration that's in the middle of the day like it starts at one o'clock so it's not a non-alcoholic space mm-hmm. And it I would be very quite family friendly as well. So okay, great. even if you're not part of the community, I think it'll be very fun. Now, I wanted to ask you about that because since we turned into June 1 and um, June is Pride Month, there's been a lot of conversations about people who identify as straight posting things about Pride and a lot of conversations about you know, why are you at a Pride parade or why are you at a Pride event? How do you feel about people from all communities, using not not even using Pride, but experiencing Pride this month. Um, I think it is really important to um, we we you know allies are important and we need allies. Um, and I think if you are a straight person that is going to show up to some Pride events, just um, our priority as part of the data is to make a safe space for our the LGBT community and all aspects of the LGBT community. So, um, like, 
just be aware that you know there's going to be trans people there you know and these people need to be respected Mm -hmm. and they need their space but it's not that you're not welcome it's just that you know respect us and you will be welcome Mm -hmm. and we were just talking about chill out there um on manor street is that right when you were a teenager like i think things and i might be wrong but i think things visibility is so key and it, it may be easier for teenagers now who might feel that they want to be part of the LGBT plus community. Did you have that support when you were like 13, 14? No, no not at all. Not at all. I um, I I didn't. I grew up in like a very rural part of Waterford and I didn't have like I had no contact with any LGBT people up until I was like a teenager and even then it was my peers like I had no one to look up to mm. and um, and I, I really really think that what Chill Out does is amazing and I can see how much confidence those kids have and how sure of themselves they are and it's it's so nice. I hate calling them kids because some of them are adults I now <laughs> and uh, but uh, I would recommend for anyone who's interested to to um, to look into volunteering for Chill Out. Anyone okay. I know who's done it has found it really rewarding and do you find from talking from other people from around the southeast that there's that those versions of organizations in other counties in the southeast i think uh chill out is is quite well known at this okay. stage for and could they could maybe point people in the right direction um, if there's someone listening today who might like to talk to someone yeah lgbt ireland and um, belong to are really good for mm-hmm. signposting resources and i would say if you go onto their website, you can find your local youth LGBT club. And if you're not a youth and you want peer support, um, things like Link and there's other, um, yeah, and belong to LGBT Ireland. They have helplines and phone lines that will give you information on like where your closest support group is. Because peer support group is, groups are great too. And there's some that are, are very niche as well, like even just some of them are like social clubs. I've heard really good things about Midlands LGBT okay. and I know that they're expanding into other counties. Great. So, yeah. Good to see. Good stuff. Well, listen, uh, enjoy the rest of the weekend. I know you've put lots of work into it, as has everyone at Pride of the Dacia. And um, the website is prideofthedacia.ie. Kuhn, thanks a million for coming in. I have to say in the last year that you've been here in the Broadcast Centre, um, I think you're, you're so open about things and willing to talk. So and happy Pride. Me. Yes, yes, happy pride. Is that what we say? Happy pride. See, I am I'm conflicted <laughs> about this because I, I I I want to celebrate. I want us to celebrate how far we've come, but I also want us to acknowledge the work that still needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Because I think if you just flat out celebrated, you wouldn't there wouldn't be space to, for it to be like, are we making this the best, most intersectional space? Are we supporting our working class members of the mm-hmm. community? Are we supporting are disabled members of the community like there is still things that need to be done but also we have come so far and it is a real like I love the solidarity that pride brings great thanks a million for talking to me we've lots more conversations I'd say in the coming months thank you so much Coon that's Coon Cusack from Pride of the Dacia prideofthedacia.ie if you want to check out more details The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103 it's the Sunday Grill on this bank holiday Sunday in June and it's almost time for the Carlo Arts Festival. It kicks off this coming Thursday and runs until next Sunday with so much going on and a real celebration of a return to cultural events. Sinead Cormack joins me this morning to chat about The Shed, her new work that's a really interesting concept and she is on the phone this morning. Hi Sinead. 
Hello, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. And you must be really excited. You're from Carlow, aren't you? I am, yeah. I'm from Bagnallstown, um, but based in Carlowstown at the moment. Lovely. So it must be lovely to be making stuff for your hometown. Yeah, it's lovely and also terrifying because you're <laughs> likely to know the audience. <laughs> if you see someone you half know coming out with a scowl on your face, their face, you can ask them what yeah. happened. <laughs> yeah, your maths teacher looking at you going, mm, should have stuck to the other thing. Yeah, should have done teaching in college. So <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself. So how would you describe the sort of artist that you are? Oh, well, um, so it's different depending on the day. So mm. I, I'm a theatre maker, um, I'm a performer, I'm a director and I'm a designer, depending on the project and sometimes all of the above. Um, so for this one, I am all of the above, uh, which is interesting. Um, it's a lot, but it's great. It's nice to be able to get a show together and to actually get you know properly down and dirty mm. and into it. And people will understand what you mean by all of the above when you talk about what the shed is, because so you've you've designed a set and everything for the shed then, have you? Um, I've designed the set and the wonderful Deirdre Dwyer has designed the costume. OK, so explain the shed. How does it work? So the shed is a series of short performances inside a garden shed for okay. one audience member at a time. So each audience member will see one of four performances okay. and each performance runs about 10 to 15 minutes long. And are they and live performances? Performer. Yes, one performer, one audience member at a time. Wow, okay. And are the performers different each time? Yes, yeah, so there's four um, four performers in this, in the work altogether. So each each piece has a different performer, so it's specific each performer okay so you have created four pieces of theatre essentially to be performed to one member of the public each time yes it sounds insane when I say it out loud yes <laughs> and how did you come up with this concept when did you have that moment of oh I'll do this um it was it was in the summer in around June of 2020 I think okay. and so there's work time. that I've done lockdown time yeah and there was um based on work that I've done previously like one-on-one -on -one type work with other companies and different trainings and this sort of sensory based work and I was sitting in my room locked out of my job because we weren't allowed to go in anywhere and uh, thinking what could I do that would be a nice thing for people at the end of this or during this or after this or whatever because we didn't know what was going to happen um, and so it's just a nice gentle little show interaction with an audience member kind of a little break from the insanity um and I thought it'd be nice to do it outside so um I picked a shed because I thought that'd be a nice intimate atmosphere and then it would be you know something different and less daunting than going back into a theatre. So a full two years later you're finally able to do this? Yeah so um it's been in the in the making and on making the the show for two years. It it was due to happen um in the arts festival in Carlo last year, but had to be postponed due to COVID. Okay. okay. So uh, delighted to be back and able to do it this year. So, is there a common thread running through the four pieces of theatre? Um, there is in so there's the common thread would be we're all kind of looking at different aspects of the sky or the world above your head. So. Okay whether that be looking at the moon or the clouds or storms, 
general that's the general um the link and then the other link is the the use of um the senses in telling the story so smells sounds okay uh, in a different way to to regular theater okay sounds really interesting and also the kind of one-on-one you know is it are you making it to be a kind of eyeballing experience like why one audience member do you think would it work for um, well, what, what I want to avoid is the, the horrifying eyeball experience yeah. that, I, I, that uh, I'm, I'm very aware that um, most people don't like, including myself, um, because I feel like some, some performances just make everyone uncomfortable yes. in a non-helpful way. So this is more of, it's more like a conversation. Okay, so, so there is interaction. There is interaction, but it's very gentle and okay. the audience interacts as much as they would like. And if they don't, it's fine. Um, but it is, but it's much more like a conversation than a monologue that happens. There, there might just be a little bit of chat or a little bit of, um, you know, banter at varying points. And that's interesting because I think when it comes to audience interaction, especially with comedy, I kind of sit at the back because I'm terrified of the interaction thing. I, I think the reason I'm terrified is because of the audience. I think if I was one on one with someone... It'd be a really unique experience. Yeah, it removes that pressure of um, feeling the audience feeling like they're also performing because there's nobody else there to look at them. Mm. So they you just get to they just get to interact as themselves, and you do you find because it's been the audience in shows that use similar techniques and you do just relax into it yeah. and you you do kind of forget and it just falls away that other stuff and it can be really nice. Um, fulfilling experience that you wouldn't get if there was multiple people there. Mm. It just allows a different way to interact. And where will you be? Where will the shed be? So the shed will be in the orchard of St. Patrick's College in Carlow, which is where the visual um, art centre is as well. And it's a, it's a lovely little orchard that's just slightly, slightly off the track for the rest of the festival, but also five minutes from the rest of us. Gorgeous. And are you there, like, are you there for hours then during the festival? So we start at noon. So we're starting at noon and we're running till 7pm. Okay. So there's from the Thursday. Break from, um, no, just on the Saturday and the Sunday. On the Saturday and the Sunday. Okay, good to know. And tell me, of the four pieces that you've created, have you got a favourite? Have you a favourite child? <sighs> Oh, you can't pick your favorite child against the rules. <laughs> they're all, they're all, um, they're all very unique and very different. So to be, it'd be too hard to pick. And do you think, like, are you going to do them kind of concurrently almost, or do you think you might see an audience member and know which which of the pieces of work they that will suit, or is it just the look of the draw? It's the look of the draw with which time slot. And to be honest, I haven't ordered them yet, so I can't tell you which okay. one is which just yet. Okay. But they are going to run in. So we're going to run one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. And do the audience know which one they're going to get? Like, is there a program where they can see that? Or again, are they going in not knowing what they to expect? Uh, they're going in not knowing. So it's, yeah, it's based on the okay. time slot. 
the book. Exciting. Okay, good stuff. Yeah. Uh, the Shed is just one of so much stuff going on for the Carlo Arts Festival and probably the best place to go to find out what is happening is carloartsfestival.com and see what days things are on as well. But the Shed is on, as Sinead said, in the orchard of the Shed of Carlo College and it runs from the Saturday and Sunday of the Arts Festival. But the Arts Festival itself kicks off on the 9th of June. Uh, if you want to be a one audience person at a one man show or one woman show the shed might be for you and you can get more details at carloartsfestival.com Sinead thanks a million for talking to me this morning and best of luck with everything Excellent thanks very much Erla The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103 It's Beat 102-103 and the Irish Times best place to live in Ireland is back with a little bit of a different title this year it's the best place to holiday in Ireland. Will it be two in a row for Waterford City, who are the current champions, um, or will it be somewhere else in the southeast and beyond? Connor Goodman, who sits on the judging panel, returns to the Sunday Grill this year to tell us about the best place to holiday in Ireland from the Irish Times. Hi, Connor. Good to talk to you again. Hello, Orla. Thanks for having me on. And exciting times. You've changed from the best place to the best holiday. Why is that? Well, we don't like to give out best place just willy-nilly. You know, uh, Waterford won it, won it last year and we wanted to uh, to hold that title for, for a long time. Also, these things don't change so much from, from year to year. So we thought a slightly different emphasis. It is a competition we ran before, actually, in 2013, best place to holiday. And at that time, it was won by the Loop Head Peninsula in oh, County gorgeous. Clare for their focus on kind of uh, sustainability and community effort. They had a real vision of tourism there. So um, now that everybody has stake, spent two years staycationing in Ireland, the level of knowledge of, uh, of, of Irish holiday places is much, much higher. So we're looking to leverage a bit of that knowledge and, uh, and get people to, to talking about where, where are great spots to holiday in Ireland. Yeah, and it's an interesting one because I suppose this is our first normal, if anything is normal, year in three years and if uh, Dublin Airport is anything to go by staycations aren't such a thing this year but we have really seen what Ireland has to offer Well whether staycations are, 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 are a thing or not I think remains to be seen certainly I wouldn't be rushing to the airport now myself mm, given, me neither. Given, given what I've seen on the other hand if you wanted to for example hire a car or stay in a hotel well the prices are quite high in Ireland so we're looking very much at uh, at value for money this people uh, where can people holiday that it's not going to cost them an arm and a leg and um, where you know what is, is there a range of accommodation types for example mm-hmm. so not only hotels are there B&Bs are there campsites are there hostels and um, in restaurants you know is it all high-end expensive restaurants or can you also go to a family you know an affordable family restaurant or there are plenty of food trucks it's giving people different different options on top of of course uh, a warm welcome and a friendly atmosphere and uh, a beautiful natural environment and all the things that people seek in a holiday yeah you said food truck and I shuddered a little bit it just brings you back to COVID times doesn't it but I think it's one of the good things that came out of COVID all these new independent businesses offering something different in Ireland Um. It, this is a people-led nomination. So, like you said, you're thinking a little bit outside the box. So what are what are people who have already put in nominations saying about their areas that make them the best place to holiday in Ireland? Well, people usually emphasise, they, they, they really emphasise the diversity of things to do. Mm. And I think uh, 
I think that's going to be a, 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 a big aspect. It certainly will have, you know, the winner is going to have to offer a lot of different things. So something for families, something for teenagers, are there outdoor recreation, hill walking opportunities, are there water sports, is there a nice spa where you can unwind after after the whole thing? So it's trying to look at a place that has, um, you know, a lot of different types of offerings for different people, maybe even different people within within a group. And um, there's great pride of place. People really emphasise the na- the natural wonders of where they mm. where, where they live. Be that in uh, in Donegal or Mayo or you know the the wild Atlantic Way counties sort of have that in spades. What I like to see is people maybe giving us a little bit of information about places that might not be on the on on, on the tourist uh, track so much. So very much looking for entries from from the Midlands, from the East Coast counties. Um, you know, that we are a newspaper, so we try to give people new information. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I'm not I'm not saying that the likes of uh, Bundoran or Ballybunion couldn't couldn't win it. They they absolutely could, but they are they are known tourist spots. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so we do like to uh, give give people uh, give people a bit more info about somewhere that they uh, maybe haven't considered. Loophead, for example, uh, had that. It, it was a it was a little bit of a surprise choice for a lot of people, but it has really done well for them um, and brought tourists there in large numbers and, um, and and allowed that area to develop their whole tourism offering, their tourism product, and really brought brought uh, helped to bring uh, life and and, mm. and, and and economy. Yeah, you can see that uh, with how Waterford to, to, to the area. Yeah, and even Waterford last year were best place to live in in Ireland. It really showcased the city and how much it's come along as well. Are you able to tell us any of the nominations that are doing well already this year? The closing date, of course, is this coming Tuesday, June the seventh. What what have you seen coming in? I can certainly tell you, um, like county by county, where they're where they're really coming from. Leading the leading the counties is County Cork with eighty nominations wow. for uh, for different. Le- now that isn't for Cork as a as a whole. That's okay. for places within Cork. So okay. it could could be Ross Carberry. Okay. Certainly, people are people in Ross Carberry are very busy. They're uh, <laughs> they're sending in a lot of nominations. That is followed by Monaghan, okay. um, and this is a great example of a place where you know a little bit of a grassroots campaign, uh, a bit of effort, and um, People in Monaghan, 60 entries have come from Monaghan. This happened in both Best Place to Live as well, That in particular, the village of Glasslock, which is home to uh, the famous Castle Leslie. And uh, the people of Glasslock really want to put it on the map, either as a place to live or as a place to holiday. Okay, and, and apart from the you, Castle Leslie reference, lovely. yeah, I wouldn't know it apart from that Castle Leslie reference. How are we doing in the southeast then, Connor? Pretty well, okay. Waterford. Um, nice. Waterford has thirty-eight entries, and they range from well, probably places you, you, you'd expect: Dungarvan, Dunmore East, Tremore. They all feature. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they all feature. Also, Waterford City and Lismore, and ten coming from Wexford oh. as well. I would have thought that was a little low for okay. one of Ireland's premier tourist counties with so much to offer in those long, beautiful beaches, lovely towns. Uh, so I would think Waterford or Wexford, excuse me, could uh, could up its entries a little bit. Ultimately, it will it will go in front of a panel of judges uh, who will who will visit, research, and make the final decision. But um, a place can really put itself in contention by 
putting in putting in a lot of entries or putting okay. in very good quality entries. And what is a good quality entry from you as one of the judges? Well, what we're asking people to do is to go onto our website, irishtimes.com forward slash best place. And there there's a little form. It's pretty straightforward. You write a short pitch um, of up to 300 words, but it can be less. Uh, you don't have to be um, you don't have to be James Joyce. You don't have to be Sally Rooney. It's not a writing competition. What we're asking for is just people to give a little bit of enthusiasm, a little bit of passion and setting out. Here are the reasons I think this is the best place to holiday in Ireland. Okay. It can be somewhere you live or it can be somewhere that you like to go yourself. Okay, good stuff. Well, as we said, the closing date is this coming Tuesday, June the 7th, irishtimes.com forward slash best place if you want to check that out and tell us, uh, tell the Irish Times why where you are could be the best place to holiday in Ireland. Connor, as always, thanks a million for joining me this morning. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Well, there's only one movie we could talk about this week. It has been talked about all year. It's a bit of an anniversary and that movie, of course, is... Top Gun Maverick. Did you know about Top Gun? Well, like, it's pretty... It's one of those things that's kind of up there as, like, iconic franchises, really. Well, not even franchise, just (laughs) iconic movies. It is. It's it's one of the the cool guy guy movies. I know, but it was, you know, it was the way movies should have been back in the day. Left alone. Yeah. Just one movie. We didn't need a Top Gun 1, 2, and 3. And yes, here we are. See, the the thing is, a lot of sequels that are coming out now are kind of like passing on the torch type things that are, like, for fans that just wanted... That maybe were a massive fan of it 30, 40 years ago. And um, they like they get to see it again in like a di- like a follow on as like what happened afterwards, but like not just ten minutes afterwards what happened, but like okay. what happened to their children kind of thing that you know. Oh, and okay. it's like oh interesting. It's it's it's, it's real like it, it's one of those movies where I didn't know what to expect going in. I saw good things on Twitter and stuff, but oh my god! All right, because my friend hated it. Really? Yeah, she did. Well, Olivia, didn't you live? Yeah, she said Olivia, it was awful. Olivia doesn't know what she's talking about. Oh, okay, okay. Well, as you know, Tom Cruise is in this, as he would be. Um, other big stars in it include Val Kilmer and Jennifer Connelly in there too. Quite an 80s fest, in fact. It it, it is. It is very, like, it's it, the funny thing is, it has all these names, right? So Val Kilmer and Tom Cruise are obviously from the original Top Gun, right? Mm-hmm. But it, it doesn't, like, it doesn't feed on nostalgia either. It just kind of, it's like, it's kind of memories more than nostalgia, if that makes sense. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? So many things lately are just like nostalgia. Oh, and like, yeah. obviously, you'd see this, you're like, this is a sequel to a thing from the 80s, it's on nostalgia. It, it just genuinely feels like another story in okay. the franchise. Will we have a listen? Of course. It starts off with an airplane. What? An airplane? Yeah, who, who do you call that? them an airplane? A jet craft. A jet craft. What do we have here? Yeah, here I thought we were special. Fellas, this here's Bagman. Hangman. Whatever. What the hell kind of mission is this? Everyone here is the best there is. Who the hell are they gonna get to teach us? Captain Pete Maverick Mitchell. Let me be perfectly blunt. You are not my first choice. You are here at the request of Admiral Kazansky, AKA Iceman. He seems to think that you have something left to offer the Navy. What that is, I can't imagine. With all due respect, sir, I'm not a teacher. Just want to manage expectations. What the hell? Good morning, aviators. 
And we're oh, off. They are off. And there you go. It is Top Gun Maverick. So where are we? Where we just watched? So it was 1986 you were saying there. 1986 was the first one. Okay. And so then it's... So it's 36 years later. 36 years later. It starts off with Tom Cruise. Obviously not abiding by what the government is telling him to do. Well, what, where is Tom Cruise now 36 years later? I presume he's retired. No, he's not retired. Oh, that's the thing they want him. Go. They want him to retire, and he's also ah. he's also never gone past the ro- the the rank of captain. Oh, okay. So he's and nev- why is that? Because he's just happy where, like, he's like he knows his place. He's happy in the place he's in. And are we are, are we suspending belief with that? Are we happy? No, enough it, to go? Okay. it's it's part of the, it's part of the character. It's okay. part of the it's part of the story as well. But like, basically, the story starts off with their they're trying out this new jet and they have to get it to Mach ten, which is basically like really pushing it to its absolute limits. And if they don't do that, then it's going to be the microphone okay, you're popping yeah go on uh, <laughs> like, what do you do? <laughs> um, if if they if they don't reach if they, they don't reach the Mach 10 the thing the, like the the test is going to be cancelled because the main guy Ed Harris is he's just kind of playing a, some sort of lieutenant I don't know the army regiment rank okay. but uh, he's basically going to cancel the whole program if they don't they're the last of well he's fighting to keep like manned flights going like you know yeah. and it, it's good because it's not just like saying that like because drones are such a massive thing now it's not just ignoring that and being like oh hey yeah, no, it's like fighter pilots even though drones are way like more popular now and stuff you know mm-hmm. but he's pushing the limits there's a really cool scene where he's like pushing it to Mach 10 and a lot of this a lot of this movie and this is probably the greatest thing about it isn't CGI it's a lot of it is filmed in planes oh wow and it it looks stunning and it feels stunning okay now, you said earlier on that most movies these days are about nostalgia and this isn't, but we do expect a little bit yeah, of nostalgia. Yeah, there, there, there is, like, if, if you've seen them, like, because I rewatched Top Gun there last week before I went into it, obviously, to get little bits from it, like, you know, but I went to see it with people that have never seen Top Gun and they still thought it was unbelievable. So it's okay. like, it's one of those things where definitely if you've seen the first one, there's things that come through and you're like, oh, that's sad because it's like, it's like memories and it's just like the little little links or something that reminds them of something else. But even at that, they do kind of play, play kind of flashbacks as well. Okay. So it's like, you're not out of the loop. You're not going to be like, why, is, why does he look sad at this moment? Like, you know, but it, it doesn't rely on it. It's, it's just part of the story. I mean, it just incorporates it into it the same way as if you went somewhere, you went 30 years ago and something happened. Like that was a nostalgia, like that was a memory for you rather than like using it to be like, oh my god, yeah, bring in all the people from the old movie mm. or something like that. There is, and Val Kilmer's in it as well. He was famously Iceman. He was like, no, oh yes, at the at the end of the first and one. How does he look these days? He's not in great condition. I think okay. he's like has cancer potentially in real life as well. And they incorporated that into the character. They didn't just like get someone else de aged to be like this guy that's really good. It's his character uh, is is ill, is Ill in okay. it and. And Kelly McGillis, who was Tom Cruise's love interest back in the day. Not really. What, is she explained at all? No, it's just kind of that he kind of... He broke up with her. Yeah, that he was... And then Jennifer Connelly comes into it as kind of the... Please don't be Tom Cruise's love interest. Love interest. But <sighs> they, it's a lot of... He kept abandoning her to go on missions and stuff like that. And it's a lot of Tom Cruise not being able to, like, settle down because the last person he got really close to, obviously, in the first Top Gun, and this is spoilers to a movie that came out in 1986 died in a, in a plane crash that wasn't okay. 
Tom Cruise's fault. I'm okay with the Gen- Jennifer Connelly thing as well because I thought she was she's actually 51 to Tom Cruise is 59 so that's okay. Yeah, yeah, no. I thought it was going to be a moment when he was going out with a bright young thing and it dropped Kevin McGillis but no. No, no. That's okay. Um, I don't really know if I've seen Top Gun. That's okay. Yeah, so do you, I, I like would recommend friends, it. I yeah. actually genuinely like because I what are you watch like I've only seen it twice I think ever. Mm. Once I kind of felt was half asleep watching it and then the second time was like I was watching no the first time I, don't, I think I fell asleep I'm not going to lie I missed parts of it mm. but the second time just I, not like you eh yeah I know yeah and it's like the second time <laughs> I I didn't really like I was I was paying attention to it but it was like it's it was, I was just watching it on my iPad in bed like you know it wasn't exactly like in the, in, in the cinemas but mm. watching this in the cinema I 100% would could not recommend it more it's, why it's, it's just an experience it's it's because everything is filmed re- in real. Like a lot of the things, like are filmed in the actual planes. I don't know how, and I think it's something you can't make with CGI. You can feel it. Do you know, okay. you can feel the the tense energy, and like it's the same with the first one. There's like there's dog fights, and you can feel that any one of these planes is going to get shot down. It, like it's probably not going to be Tom Cruise, but it could be Tom Cruise. Do you know, it's like mm-hmm. there's always there's always a worry that nothing's going to go right. A lot of the times, things don't go right. And it's it does it genuinely does scare you like it genuinely leaves you worried for all the people that are involved because someone when they're saying like this is a suicide mission potentially and like everyone is like oh yeah well like you know the main the whoever's the most famous people are going to survive you're never sure and like any time that anyone has any problems you're like you're not sure but then it's like they're the best of the best pilots so they are the most likely to recover from okay. these situations. And of course, Tom Cruise after Top Gun went on to do all his own stunts in the Mission Impossibles. Yeah. So we expect that of him. Yeah, he he like so in. I was watching behind the scenes stuff and this and everything lately because I just can't get enough of it. Really? So he okay. yeah he like basically wrote out like a three month like training ex- like thing for all the actors that weren't going to be in the planes to get them ready to be in the actual planes. Like you know, he was very much on top of all this and like they, well, I think it was Mission Impossible or was it, I think was it this that he had the outburst on being like people. Like rely on everyone for the movies and stuff. It is one of those things where it just he like everyone's been saying it as well that it's just one of those things that it's just not the typical actor anymore. It is the he wants you to, when you go to the cinema to be absolutely wowed and like you're like everything I paid for, even if it was an expensive popcorn or something, completely justified and you had the time of your life at it. And it's like exactly what happens. Well, it's a long time since I've heard you say that. It's just you it's know? it's just. Of all the Marvel, yeah, you know, I feel like with the Marvel movies, they become like too easily made. And do you mean like you think of the first Iron Man's and stuff? Like they were tests. They were, they were like, will they work or not? They were like, if we're not, if we're gonna do, it, we might as well enjoy doing it and do it how we want to do it. And that was massive, like you know. But now it's become too kind of formulaic. Of they can just like, okay, we know how to do this. We can book them for this. We can CGI and put a cameo in here. Whereas this kind of thing, it's two hour long movie and it is like unbelievable, like you know, old school. Good yeah, stuff. it really is. It it does it does feel like well, like a classic. It yeah. is, and immediately going into like people like people's all time movie list. Like Brilliant. That's so. My friend Olivia was wrong. Yeah, <laughs> Olivia, if you're if you're gonna do movie movie <laughs> advice, don't listen to Olivia. Okay. <laughs> Let's black pudding it. I'm gonna give it nine out of ten. I know okay. I've been going on about. What are you taking that black pudding away for? I don't know. I don't know. Should I give it the ten? Do I give it the ten? Well, if you loved it as much as you did, you say. I don't know if I can just like, ten is a big deal. Yeah, because you've given some real heavy hitters 10 in the past, real heavy storylines and things. Yeah. 9 out of 10? 9 out of 10, but I really, really love it. Do you know, it's like... Okay, I'm going to go back to see it. I, 
it's it's over two hours long, but I was contemplating that. You know. Okay. All right. Good stuff. It's Top Gun Maverick. Of course, it stars Tom Cruise, Jennifer Connelly, Val Kilmer, and who is Miles Teller? Miles Teller, who you'll know from Whiplash and plays the son of Goose yeah. from the original Top Gun. Brilliant. Nine black puddings out of ten. Brian went to see it. We'll go see it again. That is a, a telling yeah. tale. Yeah. Thank you very much. No bother at all. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102 103.